Hi, welcome to the Prayer Houses podcast channel. We're so glad you decided to join us online. And in a few moments, we're going to be listening to Anna Jackson, who spoke to us on Sunday about being still. But before that, I just wanted to highlight this one thing that's coming up for the summer, and that is our Weymouth camp. Weymouth camp this year is happening in the month of July from the 23rd to the 28th of July. That's 23rd to the 28th of July. This is a summer camp for 8 to 13 year olds. And if you are 16 and above, you can apply to be a tent leader. Um, so check it out. Go to our website, prayerhouse.uk forward slash camp. That's prayerhouse.uk forward slash camp and all the information and registration forms are there as well. Um, check out our Facebook page, Weymouth Camp, and also our Instagram um, to find out about pictures and kind of get an idea of what it's going to look like and what we do and what we get up to during those five days. So that's Weymouth Camp, end of July, from the 23rd of July to the 28th. So check that out. So here we go. Anna Jackson on Be Still. Father, thank you for drawing close to us this morning. Thank you that it is not me, but it is you in me that is doing this. And I just pray that you would speak through me and that the words that I say will um, resonate in people's hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd have soft hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is what we are going to be talking about, which is quite relevant to the things that we have already been saying. So thank you, everybody. So be still and know that I am God. Okay, next one. Um, so this is the verse in full. It's Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a whistle-stop tour through the Bible today. So we'll be. this is the, word, the verse that we're kind of looking at, and we're going to be looking at a few other verses that will um, kind of explain it a bit more and link to this. Um, so the world that we live in, we know, is a really noisy and distracting place. There's just so much information Everywhere is so busy, um, there's noise, there's sound, there's social media, there's our phones. Like We can access anything from our phone at all times, day or night. We can order something, we can look up something. I mean, the, it's a very, very busy, noisy and distracting place. Um, and it can fill up all of our time and all of our thoughts if we let it. Um, so the next one. Um, yes. So the first bit, be still and know that I am God. So still here just means to do nothing or be quiet, which can be a challenge, I would say. And it can seem like an impossible task. Um, life is busy. There's loads to do. There's work. There's children. There's caring family members. There's just so much to do all the time. And I think sometimes this kind of verse is like, well, I'll do that when I'm on holiday because I just don't have time to be still. So I'll wait and it'll be fine. I'll sort it out then. Um, but 
I think that is the first barrier to this, that actually we don't think that we have time. We can't carve out enough time to possibly be still. Um, but for those that do um, have lots of time, there are obviously people who are in a phase of life where they are living alone or um, they're not working, and there can, still, there can be a lot of time and potentially a lot of opportunity for quiet, but actually that's still not a guarantee, I think, that when you are in that place that you actually are quiet. Like, you can fill all of your time, like have the telly on, have the radio on, listen to a podcast, do stuff. Um, and it's not as easy as it sounds. So that is a swirling ocean, and that is what the inside of me quite often looks like, I have to say. So... I have found that when I do actually manage to carve out some time to be quiet, that what I find is that inside of me is not at all quiet. And actually putting myself in a situation where there aren't other people talking to me or asking me for stuff highlights the fact that I am not at all still or quiet inside and that my thoughts are swirling around, there's loads and loads of stuff going on all the time and actually being still is more than just being in a place where there's no other people making noise or asking you for stuff um, and that kind of setting aside some time just sort of brings it very much to light. Um, so um, in November I did carve out some time and I went and stayed in a little cabin by myself um, for two nights and three days. And I was obviously very much looking forward to it. There was nobody there to disturb me. But it is amazing how much thinking you can do that is not very calm or still, even when there's nobody asking you for anything. So I had to do more than just be in that place quietly. So. I will show you what the inside of my head mostly looks like. When I am left to my own devices, that is what the inside of my head mostly looks like. Messy and cloudy, and I can't really tell what's going on. I'm just going to leave that there for a minute. So, um, being still is challenging, but also I don't think that it necessarily has to be being physically still. There, obviously, it depends on your personality and health and all those kinds of things. But I think some people will be able to be more internally still if they are going for a walk or a jog or sitting on a spin bike or on a paddleboard or like whatever works for you. I don't think that you have to be physically still to kind of be internally still. Um, but it's about getting rid of noise and distractions, you know, take out the headphones if you're going for a walk or a run, or um, switch off the podcast, or switch your phone to silent, don't have any notifications, put your phone, oh yeah, that was the other thing in the cabin, I had to put my phone in a box for three days. I mean, you really know how much you look at your phone when you put your phone in a box for three days, I can tell you. Um, so yes, I think it's about trying to get rid of the noise and distractions. Um, next one. So for me, when I'm trying to carve out time to be still, I find going outside really helps because it also means that I can't look at all the things that need doing in my house. So um, 
being in nature for me really helps and it helps change my perspective as well about what is important and the bigness of God and um, connecting with God's creation helps me to do that. Next one. Um, there is nothing for me like the bigness of the sky or the sea or um, kind of the perspective of the waves kind of crashing onto the shore to help me realize that I am small and God is big. Um, I love to go outside when it's a really sunny day, unlike today, and just feel the intense heat of the sun on my face and just think, like, God made that. And it's massive and strong and powerful, and I am small, and that's good. Or, like, feel the wind when it's, like, howling about. and Just feeling that creation around us to put us in perspective of God is God, God is creator, and we are the created. Um, and we can see in Jesus' life that he also frequently went out into the created world. He went to the mountain or to the wilderness or to the desolate place. Next one. Um, so this is at the beginning of Mark, Mark 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So this is right at the beginning of his kind of career. He's been baptized, he's gone to the wilderness, then he went to the synagogue, and he healed Simon's mother-in-law, and they were just bringing tons of people to him, and he was healing them all. And then this is what he did after that. He went out to a desolate place and prayed. So he needed that to kind of reconnect him with the Father and to like shut out all the noise and the distractions of everything that was going on. Um, and then this one in Luke 5, verse 16, it says, Yet he frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. So if Jesus needed to frequently withdraw to pray, then I think it's probably pretty safe to say that we need to do it even more than he did. And if it's something that he prioritized, it really is something that we need to prioritize. I mean, he was working as a rabbi for such a short time. I mean, if you're talking about time pressures and trying to get stuff done, like there's nobody, I don't think, that had more time pressure and urgency and how many people could he heal and how many people could he talk to and yet even in that situation this was a priority for him and he did it frequently next one. Um, and this a little bit next chapter in Luke um, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he, had, who he named apostles. So when he had big decisions to make as well, he went out to the mountain. He prayed all night. He, you know, he needed that time and that space to hear God. Um, and that was his priority. Um, so this bit, the next bit is, be still and know that I am God. So it's not... Be still and know God, which also is important. But it says, be still and know that I am God. And in this um, context, the word 
know means to ascertain by seeing. So we need to see that God is God. And um, Jesus, I think, helped us find an answer to that in the shape of the prayer that he taught his disciples. So this is the first bit of it. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. So when Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray, he gave them this absolutely stunning little prayer, which is so rammed packed with everything that he was teaching. I could literally talk for weeks about it, but I will not. But I love it. And every time I study another thing, then it's like, oh, well, that's in the Lord's Prayer. So I will not talk about all of that. But this is introducing us to the God who we are praying to. Um, So we'll break it down a little bit. So the first bit, our Father. And these are obviously just two words, but there is so much just even in those. So the first word is our. So it's not Jesus's Father. He's not saying, pray to my Father. He's saying, our Father. And it's not just me as a follower of Jesus saying, my Father. It's reminding us that we are part of a family. We're part of this community. And it's a huge family and it has open arms. And then the word Father, which we've heard obviously about loads and loads of times, but it is such a huge element for us that Jesus wanted us to know about who God is and how God wanted to be understood. Um, God created us and the world And we can read about that at the beginning of Genesis. And he created us with a purpose and for relationship with himself. That's the first thing that he wanted. And he made us to represent him and his purposes on the earth. So in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then in Genesis 2:15, it says, Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. So that was his purpose. And in Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? So we were designed to work in partnership with God. He didn't create the world and say, right, that's it, I'm done. Off you go, have fun, do what you like with it. I'm off, going to start another one somewhere else. He created us and he wanted to walk and talk with us. He was out there in the garden calling for them because that's what he did he did it regularly because that's why they knew they needed to hide um and we have to invite him in and not hide from him and if it's there's so much noise and distraction and busyness it is very difficult for us to walk or talk with him or hear what he's saying to us 
Okay, so the next bit. In the heavens. So our Father, in the heavens, hallowed be your name. So creator God, who we've just heard about, our Father in the heavens, he is so big and so vast. And it is actually impossible to get our heads around that. And at the beginning of Psalm 8, we see David writing about this. And he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then this word hallowed, which is a bit of a, we only use it in this context sort of a word. It just basically means to set apart as holy. So um, the word holy means special or set apart. So basically, it's just saying, Jesus is reminding us that we need to remember that God's name is special and it's different. There is no one like God. He is incomparable to anyone else. He's the creator. And so um, he has to be marked out as special and set apart because there is no one like him. And that's what Jesus is reminding us about. So I thought it might be fun to have a little look at some of the things that he has put out into the universe that we are beginning to find and photograph. So this is M101, apparently. It is, yeah, I mean, really original. Um, it's a spiral galaxy like our Milky Way, but about 70% bigger. It is about 21 million light years from Earth. So there you go, that's just out there floating about. We've just found it. Well, I mean, we might not have just found it, but, you know, we've taken a photo of it now. Uh, next one. This one's a good one. This is a horsehead nebula taken in infrared light to mark the 23rd anniversary of Hubble, I think. Um, so that's also just out there, minding its own business. And next one. These, this is two photos of the same thing, but done with different types of filters. One is uh, near infrared light, and I can't remember what the other one is. Anyway, these are called the Pillars of Creation, and the first image was taken in 1995, and the second one in 2014. So, they are also just out there, and God made them. Um, so, here in this, our Father, in the heavens, hallowed be your name, Jesus has succinctly started off this model prayer by getting his disciples to focus on this amazing mystery, which is that the creator of the entire universe, which is beyond what our brains, I mean, certainly beyond what my brain can work out, I mean, other people might be able to get a better handle on it, but I can't. He is so enormous that I can't even fathom it, and yet he's calling me his child. And that is just bonkers, really. And so I'm not the only one that's found this difficult. Reassuringly, King David also did, because in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, he says... When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? And this is, the, this is what Jesus is saying. 
This is a prayer that's meant to be prayed every single day because it says, give us today our daily bread. So every single time we pray this, we're meant to start off by getting our perspective on who God is. God is massive and powerful, but also intimate. He wants us to call him daddy. And that is just amazing. Thanks. Um, So I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And what I really like about this is it says, I will be. It's not like, oh, maybe if things work out right, then I will be. But this is definitely going to happen at some point, which is obviously not right this minute. But at some point, everyone will see that God is God. There will be no doubting it. And when Paul speaks about Jesus in Philippians 2, verses 8 to 11, he says about Jesus, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is going to happen. This is what God has given Jesus as a gift for the sacrifice that he's made for us. And then in Revelation 5 verse 13, it says, um, this is John speaking. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. So if John was seeing what is coming, then that is what he was seeing. He's seeing this thing where everyone, the whole world and all the creatures are saying they're bending their knee and they're exalting Jesus so we know that that is what is coming okay so this is a beautiful little psalm and it's really short so it's quite easy to remember um this is psalm 131 and I think that it also gives us a good image to bring into this idea of being still and knowing God um and so The picture that is being built by David is of a, I'll read it first. Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes arrogant, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. I have certainly soothed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child resting against his mother, my soul within me is like a weaned child Israel, wait for the Lord from this time on and forevermore. So this is a picture of a child who has been weaned, obviously, who is contented and calm. They're not clamoring for milk like a newborn baby um, or fussing or fighting, but they're soothed and quieted and they're in a safe place with their mother. And um, the word soothed means like to level or make smooth. Um, So it just reminds me sort of like a mill pond or something. Um, And quieted just means to cease or to be silent or still. So um, the other thing that I find really interesting is that it doesn't say that God has soothed and quieted his soul. He says, I have 
soothed and quieted my soul. And from my personal experience, that is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. And so I think if we look at the beginning of this psalm, it gives us an answer as to how David could say that that was possible. So he says, my heart is not proud. My eyes aren't arrogant. I don't involve myself in great matters. I don't involve myself in things too difficult for me. So what he's saying is that he is humble. He knows who he is and he hasn't inflated his own importance in the world. He can see that he is a created being and God is the creator. He has himself in the right perspective. Um, He knows that there are some things that are beyond him and he cannot figure it out or fix it or solve it. It's too difficult. It's too big. And actually giving it over to the father is what we need to do. So back to my swirling brain. Um, I think that David is giving us a kind of template for how we also could soothe and quiet our own souls. So if we do manage to carve out some time and we ask the Holy Spirit to draw near and help us to do this because we cannot do it by ourselves, then I think as we notice um, thoughts occupying our minds or things that are distracting us, rather than getting frustrated and like, oh, I can't do it, which is kind of what I do sometimes, um, actually remembering, right, God is God and I am not. Lord, I want to be still and I want to be quiet, so I'm going to give this thing to you because I can't figure it out by myself. I can't fix it, so I'm giving it to you. And then you know, try again, and the same thing happens again, and you do the same thing again. And, you know, it could be that you really need to solve a problem, or you're going over a conversation that you've had with somebody, uh, or you're going over a conversation that you need to have with somebody, or something's upset you, or unsettled you. All of this you can give to your father. And handing them over to him. It's not just like, I'm throwing my hands up in despair. I can't deal with it. You sort it out. It's the humility that David has in Psalm 131. You are God and you know more than me. I want to give this to you and I want to partner with you in it because that is what we're designed to do. We aren't designed to just figure things out all by ourselves. We have been given the ability to figure things out And we can probably figure things out by ourselves, but we've been designed to do it with him. And that is the way that we're going to be the most successful. And also productively using our minds rather than just trying to sort of figure things out and going around in circles. If we lift it to the Father and listen, then he can give solutions and he can prompt us with things and he can help us. And yes, we do need to do things and we do need to be active, but actually trying to do things by ourselves is not what we were designed to do. So sometimes in the time that you're setting aside, you might do this and not feel particularly calmed or soothed, but hopefully you will feel calmer or quieter. And that is not a waste of time. That is 
so useful and that can then carry with you into what you're doing next. And it might be that you do manage to go through all your mental laundry and find yourself actually not having any swirling chaos inside. And then you can just sit and enjoy that peaceful, calm, still time sitting with the Father. So let's see my bottle. So this is my bottle that has been still for a while. My bottle that has been still for a while is a little bit clearer. But if I left it overnight, it was actually completely clear. So, you know, the longer you leave it, the better. But also then you can see what's going on inside. Sometimes everything is just so muddy and murky that you just don't know what's inside. Sometimes that can be a little bit scary. Actually, I don't know what's inside and I don't think I want to find out. But the Father is there and he's intimate and he wants to be there with you sorting that out and dealing with it. There is nothing that he can't deal with. And as things come up, he'll be with you in it. So... It could be that a memory comes from years and years ago. And you're like, I don't know why I'm thinking about that, but just sit with it with the Father and he will, he will bring you whatever you need. So, next one. Back to this one. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So if I am, if me personally, if I'm able to carve out some time, I usually like to go to Thorncombe Woods or sit quietly at home. And then actually when life is really busy and things are starting to press in, I can feel the difference and I can draw on this feeling. So a few weeks ago we did a homework about solitude because we were looking at Jesus and... Um, then, so I had my little hour in the woods and it was lovely. But actually preparing this, like this last two weeks, has been ridiculously busy. Like every single time, I'm like, right, I've got this time and I've got this time. And then something else would happen. I'm like, okay, so I don't have that time, but I do have this time. And then something else would happen. And I've had Faith's birthday and Matt's birthday. And everything's just been feeling a little bit like it's all pushing in. But... Because I'd taken that time, it was only an hour, but I could draw on that feeling. And then if I found myself in my room and the house was quiet, which is obviously slightly suspicious, but the house is quiet, I'm like, actually, I'm not going to put on a podcast or switch on the television. I'm just going to sit here until I hear one of my children arguing with another one and then I'll deal with it. And actually, I can grab those little minutes, but I can equally pick up my phone and start scrolling through social media. And that is what I am generally tempted to do, or switch on the telly, or put on some music, which I love. But sometimes you just have to think, I just need to carve out a little bit of time to be still and know that God is God. And then also... Like, I could be sat on the train at the train station. The train station is noisy. The train station is busy. But nobody's talking to me. They're not interested in me. Everybody's minding their own business. So I can take five minutes sat at the train station. I don't have to be in the woods. But I can draw on that experience that I've had and find some quiet 
and some still, even in a busy place, or walking to school to pick up faith, or whatever it is. There are moments, there is time if we make time. So, we have this invitation to be still, to quiet ourselves, and still ourselves, and listen. We can remember that God is God, and we are human. He is the creator, and we are the created but also that he wants us to get to know who he is. He's the creator and he's the father. And um, we can sit with him and we can listen to what he wants to say or just sit and enjoy the quiet. And so if Fortgy is happy to come up and play on the keyboard, what I'd like to do is for us to just be still together for a moment and reflect on who God is, the creator of this incredible universe, and also Father, the one who will be exalted in the earth. And if you notice thoughts are rushing in, or you're trying to do your shopping list, don't get frustrated. Just hand over to God. He can sort out your shopping list too. He can help you decide what to have for dinner. Because, you know, he might come up with a really new, exciting option that you haven't thought of. Or Alwyn, yeah, I mean, Alwyn might take you out for dinner. We might not have to worry about dinner. So, yes, if we could just be still and reflect on who God is for a few minutes, that would be great.
gente.